Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. I feel like we were just chatting because of the bonus episode on Thursday, but I'm so excited for this episode today. I actually recorded it in early January, so before my wedding. So if you hear me refer to Stephen as my fiance or refer to my wedding as upcoming, that is why. I didn't air it for a bit because I never, I loved the episode. I love Amanda, but I don't ever know the line to tread with how much you want to hear about sobriety. I know that it's a part of me and my story, but I don't want it to be like my only identity, especially for you guys, as you know, this is a dating podcast and dating isn't always about sobriety at all. It's actually quite the opposite. Most dates are when you go grab a drink with somebody. And so this is kind of showing the opposite perspective. So if you are sober curious, this is a good episode for you to listen to. If you're not at all, but you kind of just want to hear the other perspective, this is a good episode for you to listen to. And if you just want date ideas where it doesn't involve alcohol, this also might be a good episode for you to listen to. Before I get into the episode with Amanda, I just want to answer a few of your questions from this week or things that you wanted me to talk about on Solo, and then we'll get right into it. I, of course, am at another wedding this weekend, but I'm so excited about it. It's one of my oldest and dearest friends, and I was stressed out beyond belief about what to wear. And then I realized, I remembered that Rent the Runway is my actual savior. You've seen me post about it on my Instagram multiple times, but I just want to remind you guys that you don't have to be stressed out about getting a new outfit for every wedding. If you join Rent the Runway and use my code WeMetAcme, you are getting 40% off your membership and you're paying a flat fee for as many dresses as you can dream up with all of the best brands like Ula Johnson, Jonathan Simkai, Veronica Beard, Reformation, like all of the designers that you would buy from, you might as well just rent. I get so pissed when I buy something and then I realize it's on Rent the Runway. But then I get really happy because I return the thing I buy and I rent it, which is what you should be doing too. So if you haven't tried Rent the Runway, I really think that you should. And you can also mix and match statement pieces for like everyday going out clothes, I have like all my hearts in different sections, like a vacation hearts, work hearts, blah, blah, blah. It's really so amazing. Um, but don't forget to use my code. We met at Acme. Somebody asked, can you talk about feeling lost in your late 20s? It is so common to feel this way, especially because a lot of your friends have now paired off. And if you are not in a couple that you necessarily believe in, or if you're just like single generally, then you might feel lost. Or let's say you just hate your job or you just quit a huge job or you're making a move like a lifelong change and things like that. It's very normal to feel lost in your late 20s. And it's very normal to feel like it's like slim pickings out there. But the reality is, and this is what kind of kept me going, is like I felt like I had a lot to offer to whoever my future partner was. And when I got out of my relationship at 29, 
I wasn't worried because I knew I was like, someone out there is going to want the things that I have to offer and going to appreciate them. And 29 is so young. And I don't know what you're referring to when you say late 20s, this person asking, but 29 is so young. Honestly, any any age before like, I don't know, uh, that's young. I'm not going to like name an age, but it's really young. And so it's really normal to feel lost. It's really normal to, because society puts this pressure on us to have have it figured out and be married and have your life planned out. But it's like, the reality is you're young. If you love yourself and what you have to offer, that is all that matters. And also another thing that kept me going is I was like, a lot of the great guys are still single because they want to like get everything out of their system. Or maybe they like just graduated from business school and they kind of had a later start and that's okay. Like you're going to align with the right person for you. Just don't give up on it and keep going on these dating app dates and keep your eyes peeled and meeting friends and using the the helpful uh, suggestions from our meeting IRL episode last Sunday. And you're going to be just fine. I promise you. How to boost confident when you have acne. This is my jam right now because I, for the first time, like going off birth control, as you guys know, like I developed some skin problems and I never really had them before. And I didn't realize how lucky I was. And when it happened, my confidence was the first thing that was affected by it. But then I realized that makeup is first of all, my best friend. Second of all, to do all the right things and take all the right next actions in terms of what my dermatologist tells me to do. But then also, and my dermatologist is going to hate this, but the sun really helped my skin. I know that it's not good to go in the sun. I know I shouldn't be telling you to, but I'm telling you the sun really helped dry out my pimples a little bit. So maybe try to get a little bit of sun if you, you know... It also helps with vitamin D if you can't get into the sun. I think it's just important to try all of the things that a licensed professional tells you to do. And also realize like when you're dating and you're meeting someone, if somebody's not going to go out on a second date with you because of a pimple, then that person isn't the person for you anyway. Like I, I remember on like our fourth or fifth date, Stephen had a big pimple and... I didn't give a fuck because I really liked him. And I honestly thought that it made him like more human and more vulnerable, the fact that he had one. So I think the right person will look way past that and just does not care. Someone asked for the rules for in a long-term relationship. We've actually talked about this before, but I'm happy to revisit it because I realized something recently. I was walking on the street and I was thinking about my past relationships. I was thinking about my current relationship with Steven. And I was thinking about something that really goes over my head sometimes that I really need to pay attention to because it's such a big deal, which is that he makes my life so much easier. And that is something that I didn't really pay attention to before. I never kind of focused on my relationships and thought like in the past, you know, with other partners, I was, the relationship was always something that was adding some sort of stress into my life. Maybe it was good stress, maybe it was bad stress, but it was adding stuff to my life so that it wasn't necessarily easier. With Steven, it is so much easier. And it's like a simple thing as like, we were, we have this garage Every month we change garages because we use like Spot Hero, which tells us for the cheapest garages for the summer or whatever. And I told him the address of the new garage at like the beginning of July. And he just like went to the garage. Like it wasn't that close by. It was annoying, but he just like went to the garage. He handled the situation and he came back. And like when he got back, my painting had fallen off the wall and like was on the ground. And he just like, put the painting up, like took out his tools and put the painting up. And I was like, holy. And then I was realizing this week thinking about it. And I was like, holy shit. All he ever does is make my life easier. So I think that's a big rule is like, are you actively trying to make your partner's life 
easier and like be good to them always because that is like the number one rule. Number one rule for in a long-term relationship. And also like, you know, other things like you want to put them first in a lot of situations. You want to make sure that you're doing things. Again, it all goes back to making their life easier. Make sure that you're doing things like with them in mind and being respectful and also keeping the romance alive and planning trips if you're able to and giving yourself something to look forward to as a couple. And then also just never saying I love you more because you don't, you know, they should love you more if you're the woman. Someone asked, guy texts after dinner and continues normal banter. How to nudge towards a second date? I think you do do the banter and it'll come like probably the next day within 24 hours. But if it doesn't and you really want it to get there, I would say something like, you know, next time he says something, I'd be like, ha, like, let's save that for this for date number two or something like that. Just do like a little hint that you're down for date number two and you don't want to keep going back and forth unless you are getting asked on date number two. And lastly, dating and making new friends at 33. Well, first of all, you should definitely be coming to our mixers. You should totally be coming to our events. You should be coming to camp. All the information for all of these events is on wemetatacme.com. And camp is coming up very soon. It's August 26th to 28th. It's going to be so much fun. We have surprise performances. We have like amazing workout instructors coming. It's going to be so fun. So definitely sign up for something like that. And also we have like friend mixers all the time. But I would say also like work is a great place to have friends and to make friends. I would say friends of friends is a great place. Weddings, all of the events that you could attend are great. I love Zog sports teams. I was actually on one years ago. We had like a We Met at Acme Zog sports kickball team. It was so much fun. I made friends from that. I think that just putting like thinking about what you like to do in your spare time and finding groups where other people do that. I have a friend who rock climbs and has made friends through that. Like whatever it is that you're into, maybe it's take an improv class. Just put yourself in a situation that you enjoy that other people probably are into or go on our Facebook group. It's called We Met on Facebook at Acme and try to schedule a meetup with other like-minded people. But you're going to be just fine. You're going to make friends and... I'm not worried about you guys because you listen to this podcast, which means that you are open-minded to begin with. I hope you enjoy Amanda. You're so golden. I'm sorry. I couldn't not do that because I'm doing an ad for Golden. And if you haven't heard about Golden, it is one of my favorite jewelry companies with personalization options on every single piece. And so you can tell your story. Each piece is handmade just for you. You choose your metal, your size, and your personal encrypt inscriptions to be hand stamped by their makers. Every piece comes with letterpress, gift ready packaging, and a handwritten note and a jewelry care kit, which is so adorable. I love all my pieces from Golden. I'm always being asked where I'm shopping for jewelry and Golden donates 10% of all their profits and more through special collections to organizations that support their core cause of education, liberation, and community building. Golden is a female found and run company with a workforce consisting of over 80% of women. If you are someone that loves personalized jewelry or have a gift to give and someone is coming to mind right now that you could be giving a gift to, Golden is the place to go. If you go to golden.com, which is G-L-D-N.com, you can find the perfect piece of jewelry and make it yours. You just go to G-L-D-N.com and use code ACME at checkout for 15% off your first purchase. That's G-L-D-N.com to get 15% off your first purchase by using your code ACME at checkout. Stay golden. I am getting back into berries. I was laying off of it for a while and doing some Pilates, but I'm back into berries and I love it. Obsessed. 
But I have to say, hydration is lacking. It is really hard for me to drink as much water as I should be drinking. And I want hydration to be a priority for me so I can feel healthier in my everyday life. One stick of liquid IV in 16 ounces of water hydrates you two times faster and more efficiently than water alone. Plus, liquid IV products taste great with 10 refreshing flavors like Concord Grape, Lemon Lime, Pina Colada, Tropical Crunch. Like, that's a summer vibe if I've ever heard anything. So first thing in the morning before a workout when you feel run down and you want some daily hydration is when... Like I'd recommend that you use liquid IV. We also had liquid IV in our wedding welcome bag because it's so great after a big event, like a wedding or when you're dancing all night, you know, it's the perfect product to have around you. And it contains five essential vitamins, B3, B5, B6, B12, and vitamin C. You know a vitamin is important when there's a B in front of it. Am I right? Also, for every purchase, they donate a serving to somebody in need, which is really great. They've donated over 24 million servings globally. So grab your liquid IV in bulk nationwide at Costco, or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code ACME at checkout. That's 25% off anything that you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code ACME at liquidiv.com. Dot com and use promo code ACME. What's up, everyone? I'm Kristen Cavallari. And I'm Stephen Coletti. We're so excited to announce Dear Media's new podcast, Back to the Beach with Kristen and Stephen, where we'll revisit all of your favorite episodes of Laguna Beach, The Real Orange County, and unveil behind-the-scenes secrets, tea, and all sorts of new insight into this groundbreaking show. So join us every Tuesday. Available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm already feeling nostalgic. Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. I'm so excited to be here with licensed therapist and author of Not Drinking Tonight, Amanda White. Hey, Amanda. Hi, thanks so much for having me, Lindsay. Thanks for being here. So for anyone who doesn't know about Amanda, she has an amazing Instagram account, Therapy for Women, which I have kept tabs on for quite a while. But I am so excited that you wrote about a little bit about your drinking experience, but mostly kind of like a guide to help others figure out their relationship with drinking. And so I'm really excited to chat. So let's start by just hearing a little bit about you. Where are you from and how old are you? I am 31 and I live in Philadelphia. Very cool. So we're the same age. Love it. (laughs) Were you born in 1990? I was. I I was. I love it. When's your birthday? July 8th. Oh, you're a cancer. I am a cancer. Very Although cool. I don't really relate a lot to horoscope stuff. I I don't know. It confuses me. <laughs> I I get it. There's a lot more to it. So it can get it can get pretty complicated. But what is your current relationship status? I am married. Congratulations. And how did you and your partner meet? So I'm sober. I've been sober for seven and a half years. And my partner is my husband. He is not sober, but one of his best friends is. He grew up with him and we were introduced through one of his best friends. And it's actually funny because we had matched on a dating app and I had not responded to his message and when he had messaged me and he talked to our friend and our mutual friend reached out to me and was like, you should, I think you guys would actually get along. And that was, that was how we met. I love that. I feel like I hear those stories a lot. And I have a friend who's engaged to someone that, so they match on an app, but then she called a mutual friend and was like, can you set it up so that we don't say we met on this app, you know? And it's like, it's a great loophole. It's a great loophole. I love that. And so you said you're seven and a half years sober? Yep. That's awesome. Congratulations. So I'm three and a half years sober, which is crazy. It really flies by. And actually a term that I've heard in sobriety is like each year is another second to pause. I don't know if you've heard this. But I like before, so before reacting to someone. So for example, if you only have like, if you have less than a year, you're just like, 
you're in someone's face. And then if you have three years, you, you wait one, two, three. <laughs> so you have a lot of pausing time, which is amazing. I love that. I haven't heard that. That's a great, that's a great little tidbit. It's, it's a fun one. So let's talk about your book before we get into our listeners' questions. What So your book is called Not Drinking Tonight, A Guide to Creating a Sober Life That You Love. What inspired you to put the pen to paper when it came to sobriety and, and helping others? Yeah. So I mean, I I feel like with my account and with when I mean my account, I mean therapy for women. One of my favorite things is that I'm not just a sober account. I'm mostly a therapy account, but I do share about sobriety and talk about the benefits of not drinking. And I really wanted to create a guide that was from a therapist because there are amazing books out there that are sober books or sober curious books, but none of them were written by a therapist. So none of them really dig into like trauma and shame and reparenting and all of these kind of skills that I think are super important for us to learn if we want to actually live a life we love that's sober. And we don't want to kind of just be like, the same, but without alcohol, like sometimes I'm sure you've heard the term dry drunk. So my whole goal in writing the book was to create a guide that didn't just give you kind of the surface things of like, how do you say no to, you know, alcohol and how do you date when you're sober, but also the deeper stuff of how do you live a life where you don't miss alcohol at all? Yeah. I love that. And you mentioned in your book that you started in AA and I know that- it's like hard to talk about AA because you're not supposed to talk about it. And like, you're supposed to be anonymous and it's real. And I struggle with that too, because I don't even know if I can say that, <laughs> whatever, um, you get my drift, yeah. but, but then you, you stopped and you're still sober. So how does that work for you? And kind of, can you explain to like someone who is, I guess, like a normie, what AA, how, like what it even looks like to, to be part of a program like that? Yeah. So obviously, I mean, AA is right. Like Alcoholics Anonymous. It's like the original 12 step program. Essentially, when you go to AA, you go to meetings, you have someone who is like your sponsor, it's called where they walk you through what are the 12 steps. They kind of help you heal. That's kind of like the healing journey of AA. And you're supposed to stay and give back and take on other sponsees. And really the whole idea of AA is that you stay sober by helping other alcoholics stay sober. And there's a lot of rhetoric about how if you leave AA, you're like on the way to relapsing. And yeah, just kind of like some stereotypes like that. Cause you're really while maybe you don't go to meetings every day, people are very clear about you have to stay in the program. You have to work the program. You're expected to maybe do the steps multiple times to kind of stay fresh. And um, while I attribute AA to doing a lot of great things for my life and a lot of good friends that I made were I did make in the rooms of AA. And it, it's not even something if I was struggling or I moved somewhere, I wouldn't even like, I would consider going to a meeting because it is like a good way to meet sober community. It's very easy in that sense compared to other things. But I think also because I was a therapist, it felt like an extension of work for me because I, especially I used to work at a drug and alcohol rehab program. Part of that was very much, it was 12 steps were like baked into the program. So it was part of what we taught and I would get sponsees. And it just felt like it was a continuation of work. I had these people calling me, wanting me to support them. And I had just worked maybe like a 10 hour day at like a rehab working with all these people. And it felt like I was just being drained way more. And it felt like I was giving more than I was getting. Mm -hmm. And people may think that's like selfish to say, but it felt unsustainable in my life. So after a couple of years, yeah, like I, I took a break and it wasn't like a bad break or anything. My sponsor moved. So it was kind of just a natural thing. I just started going to less meetings. I do other work, but I found myself like I get more from a session with my therapist or I would get more from going to a yoga class than going to a meeting. Yeah, that's totally fair. And I think it's definitely different strokes for different folks. But like for the sober curious person, I 
definitely wouldn't rule out trying something like that just because, you know, as you said, it's an easy way to like create community for yourself and to make sober friends, which I think when you first get sober, it's like very daunting to realize that like you have nothing to do with your friends now because you drink together or you smoke together. And so I think that's interesting. I want to hear a little bit about like your actual story. I, I read it in your book, but what was like the reason that you decided to get sober, you know, seven and a half years ago? Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like my drinking, my drinking probably looked like a lot of people's drinking. When I first started drinking, I loved it because I had a lot of social anxiety growing up. So it felt like confidence in a bottle to me. And I like loved the version of who I was. I was more outgoing. I was more confident. You know, I was able to talk to people and I, I drank a lot in college, but I felt like everyone drank in college, you know, everyone, at least in my friend group, we would joke about the ridiculous things that we did when we were drunk. And it was like a a community in that sense. And then after, I mean, while I, I also struggled with mental health issues throughout college. So I had an eating disorder, I had anxiety and depression, and I knew like those weren't doing well, like, especially my eating disorder, like I was struggling a lot with it, but I never thought that alcohol was the problem for that. I just thought I was drinking too much. So I used to try in college to moderate a bit. I tried to, you know, like only drink wine, only drink beer, never drink hard alcohol, never take shots. I went through a very weird phase of thinking that I could maybe try to only drink shots and that that would be helpful, which Mm -hmm. was really ridiculous. And then I graduated and, you know, I wasn't really able to moderate in college and I graduated college and I just kind of kept partying the way that I did in, in college and other people still went out and stuff, but it felt like for me, my drinking had much bigger consequences. Like every time I drink something bad didn't happen, but I put myself in some dangerous situations. I would leave bars. I would, you know, black out a lot and totally lose track of time and where I was and just do things that were totally out of alignment with my values. And it just got to the point where I felt like I can't be a therapist. I can't accomplish my goals. I can't recover in my eating disorder if I keep drinking because the moderating wasn't working. So the last time I drank, I actually, I relapsed in my eating disorder and I, I was a yoga teacher at the time. And I taught yoga completely drunk at 6am. And that was a big wake up call for me because I loved yoga and I just had so much shame about it. And I didn't know if I was going to stop drinking, but I was lucky that I had friends in AA and I was in therapy at the time. And I just kind of said, I'll try not drinking for 30 days. And I just kept, you know, I just stayed because I saw how much better my life was. Yeah. And sometimes it's like as simple as that. And I love that in your book, you were like, you know, did I put myself in danger? Like not, no, not necessarily. Did I do this? Like not necessarily. And then you had mentioned that like, when you did, you know, go into a program, you felt guilty because you were like, am I taking someone's seat who has like a bigger problem than me? And I struggle with that all the time because my addiction was more weed than it was alcohol. Mm -hmm. And like a lot of people don't even understand that you could be addicted to weed. And the thing with that kind of addiction is like, it's never like, you're not, as far as I know, you're not going to die. So it's... I felt so much weird guilt and shame, you know, sitting in some sort of meeting. Just, I I just felt like every time sharing that like weed was my thing, like people like laughed because they're like, oh, my Mm -hmm. thing is like Coke and alcohol and heroin. And like, that's a joke, but that's not the case. It's like when you are mad at like a skinny girl for saying she feels fat. You know what I mean? Like she still feels that way. Not saying it's normal um, or like relatable, but like everyone is entitled to feel whatever they feel. So I think that's really interesting. It's the heat of the summer and I'm finally feeling really good. I feel like I'm tan. 
I feel like I am just like much hornier recently. I'm not going to lie. Maybe it's something that has to do with being tan. I don't know. Maybe it's because we're always in bikinis and bathing suits all the time. But I have been fantasizing. Steven and I are going on a trip to France and I have just, I have like this fantasy about just this like Parisian gorgeous romance that we're going to have. And I don't know about you, but when I have fantasies, I want to masturbate. Like, and I want to hear somebody read me my fantasy and hear it be read and be so much hotter than I could even imagine, which is why I use Dipsy for my sexy audio stories that are designed for women by women. I really love it. And they bring these scenarios to life. Like if you are fantasizing about that tennis instructor that you've been playing with or your workout class leader or even just your neighbor down the block or like an Italian stallion, like if you're watching Love Island, you know what I mean. You can hear all of the sexy voices of Luke Cook, Sarunas J. Jackson, ER Fightmaster, and many others in stories like you've never heard before. New content is released every week. So in between listening to your favorite stories, you can also find something new. You can get in the bath or get in bed just pop some headphones in or even play it on speaker. Live your best life and start pleasuring yourself today by listening to Dipsy Stories. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash Acme. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash Acme. Dipsystories.com slash Acme. They support the podcast and we're really grateful for that. I am not so good at doing something every single day. But what I've gotten so much better at is waking up and taking all of the vitamins that I need. Because if I'm ever going to want to, you know, start a future someday, I have to have all of the right things that I need in my diet. And you're probably like, well, you're getting enough from just eating. That's actually not true. Over 97% of women aged 19 to 50 are not getting enough vitamin D from their diet. And 95% are not getting their recommended daily intake of key omega-3s. Like, did you know that? Because I really didn't. I've started taking Ritual's Essential Vitamin for women 18 plus, and it is an amazing multivitamin that increases your vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in 12 weeks. That was a study that they did, and those are the results. So... The proof's in the pudding, guys. If you want to fill nutrient gaps in your diet, you should absolutely be trying women's 18 plus multivitamin from Ritual. Ritual also has amazing other vitamins like prenatals if you're in the market for those. But what I love about Ritual is that it's totally like non-GMO, vegan, all of the good things. Anybody on any sort of diet for any sort of reason should not be worried about taking Ritual. It's really great and they support the podcast and have for a bit. So you should support them because they're offering you 10% off your first three months. Visit ritual.com slash Acme and turn healthy habits into a ritual. That's 10% off at ritual.com slash Acme. Check it out. you wrote a bit about social anxiety, like when drinking, like, you know, some people, the way that like the reason that they started drinking in the first place, not necessarily because like, God forbid of some trauma, but maybe just because like it made being social easier, you know, did you experience like any social anxiety when you first stopped drinking, especially like as young as you were? Yes, I absolutely like my social anxiety, I think never really went away. Like alcohol felt like it helped with it. But when I stopped, I was terrified. I mean, I was 24, I just turned 24. I was like, you know, I had no idea how to function without it in terms of being around people my age. I told my parents, they were like, you're being dramatic. <laughs> Please keep drinking. 
And I had to kind of push back on it and be like, no, this is what I need to do. So it, it, I mean, I was very lucky to immediately have just like people that I knew that were my age. I'm lucky, especially in where I live in Philadelphia. And, you know, you probably experience this in New York when you're in a bigger city, it is easier to find like young people that are sober and like those types of meetings really, really helped me. But yeah, it was something I really had to deal with, especially with dating. I was terrified at the idea of dating and not drinking. Yeah. It's funny that you mentioned the thing with your parents because like my parents definitely don't get it. Well, my mom does more than my dad, but like my dad will still offer me like alcohol. He, he just like doesn't He's like, oh, well, if it's like a really good bottle of wine, like you'll drink it. I'm like, yeah, dad, like, no. And I don't know if he'll ever get it. And it's it's interesting because I feel like a lot of people who are sober or choose not to drink, it's because like one of their parents is sober or an alcoholic or has just like a bad relationship with alcohol. And like, that's not a prerequisite. Like you can yeah. just decide it's not for you or you're better without it. Like you can decide it's just like a lifestyle change, you know? Absolutely. I'm going to get to some listener questions. Um, Yeah. Somebody asked if you see sobriety as a lifelong journey or just something that fits at this time in your life. I always think this is interesting. For me, I see it as a lifelong journey. I think it doesn't have to be necessarily for everyone. I think different people go through different things. But for me, the idea, like the life I've built, I love and I truly don't miss alcohol. So it's like when I think about my life and I think about the risk for what, you know, for being able to what, you know, have a bottle of champagne or a nice sip of wine or something like that, the potential of what might happen is just absolutely not worth the risk because I've created a life where I don't need alcohol and I don't even miss it. Right. Like for me, I just kind of like watch it play out. I'm like, okay, so like, I have this drink, then I need a joint, like then I need more Then I need this. And it's just like, it's not, it's not really worth it to me. And like, just to speak on the social anxiety thing, like, yes, there are moments where I'll be at a social event and I'll say like, okay, if I wanted to stay another hour, I would need to drink. Yeah. But I don't need to stay another hour. Like, (laughs) at all. You know, it's like no one wants to be the last person at the party anyway. And so sometimes when I'm in a social situation, I'll like just hit that wall where I'm like, okay, I'm done. Like I'm leaving. Yeah, And that's okay. Like it's honestly a good exercise in like boundaries being sober. Cause you're like, okay, my boundary has been reached. Goodbye. Yes, absolutely. What do you say instead of let's grab a drink? to someone that you're interested in. This is like, I struggle with this because I actually said that to my now fiance, even though I was sober because I didn't know what else to say. (laughs) I mean, I think you can, I mean, this isn't the case for everyone, but I think you can, if you, I mean, I don't know, especially in Philadelphia, there are some really cool bars that have really cool like mocktails and things like that, that I think can be a fun thing to do. I'm always a big fan of coffee or dessert. I love going to get like ice cream or going on a walk. But I also think sometimes with dating, we can get so like complacent in that alcohol is carrying the weight of the date and it's such a big role. So I also love like thinking of things that you want to do and inviting someone along. And then if you don't even like, then if the date doesn't work out and it's not the right fit, at least you had fun and did something that you wanted to do. Yeah, agreed. Somebody asked, how do you ask somebody why they don't drink alcohol if you don't want to be awkward? I wouldn't ask them. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I was going to say, it's kind of like asking, how do you ask someone if they're going to have kids? It's like, if they want to share that, they will. That's so interesting. Yeah. I feel like almost the opposite. I feel like if you're not asking, it's like an elephant in the room. Whereas like, Mm. but maybe this is just because my whole life is asking questions, you know, I feel like my vibe would be like, so like, 
what's the reason that like, oh, so you don't drink? Like, why? Like, tell me. But like, because I'm curious, not because I'm about to judge you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's different for different people. I know a lot of people are very afraid of the why question. Like, I agree with the elephant in the room. It's why I will preemptively share because I I would rather just like get ahead of it. Right. And that's like my recommendation. If people feel like you can just say, you know, I don't drink (laughs) or you can give more explanation or not. Yeah. I mean, you don't owe anyone anything. I think also it's because like, I'm like confident now in my answering. But if I were early on in sobriety and someone asked me that, like I'd probably start crying or like unravel. So I think like feel like read the room. Yeah. Yeah. What do you order when you're out at a bar? Well, it depends what bar I'm at. Before there were like mocktail options. I used to get a seltzer with lime. I think that's a pretty easy thing. But lately, if you go to a good or if you go to a good restaurant or bar that has a good cocktail menu, typically they can make you a good mocktail because you just have to look at the base ingredients that they have. Like if they have something that isn't just orange juice, you know, like if they have some other type of juice or some other interesting, you know, they have like a muddled thing or something with lime, they can typically remove the alcohol and make you a good mocktail. I also have noticed that just because I'm not a mocktail drinker, but I yeah. I have noticed at restaurants now that there's always like an either a non-alcoholic section or I went to a restaurant recently and there were sober drinks. And I thought it was so cute. I was like, oh, you care. Yeah, I love it. Whenever I go, I'm like, I'm going to order one to support this (laughs) this restaurant or bar. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I talked a little bit about going in the sun when your skin is not good. But let's not forget to bring our sunscreen with us. Starface has a sunscreen for acne prone skin. It is new. It's hot off the press and it's called clear as day. So if you've ever been scared to wear SPF because you break out or it leaves you with like a white cast over your face, you're going to love this one. It's oil-free, lightweight, 100% clear and offers SPF 46 protection, which is a lot higher than most of the face SPFs. It's also formulated with moisturizing and smoothing ingredients that don't break you out or clog your pores. And it's clear. So you can put anything that you want over it. If you want to wear a little makeup, if you want to wear a little bronzer, whatever it is. Starface also has Hydro Stars, which are 100% hydrocolloid pimple patches that help reduce inflammation, absorb fluid, and shrink spots overnight. There's a reason that everybody loves Starface and that you see these gorgeous little stars on people's faces these days, including Hailey Bieber. They also have a space wash, which is a gentle, lightly foaming cleanser that washes away your makeup, dirt, and oil. They also have a body wash called Outer Space and a hydrating cream called Moisture on Mars. I'm loving the space theme here. I don't know about you, but I'm loving it. You can shop the entire Starface collection at starface.world. And for a limited time, Starface is offering all We Met at Acme listeners 15% off your first order at checkout with code ACME15. Again, that's code ACME15 for 15% off your first order at starface.world. Check it out and let your face shine like the galaxy with your pimple patches. Let's talk about dry January for a second. It becomes this kind of thing where like, it's honestly probably the best month to get sober because you don't feel weird about saying it. You definitely don't feel alone because a bunch of your friends are probably in that moment sober, but might not be sober later that day. Who knows? How do you feel about it? And do you think it's like kind of a dangerous trend or actually like a great gateway? I think it's a great gateway. I mean, I understand. I guess I'll say my one caveat is I don't love the focus on like weight loss, I think that can make dry January not helpful because people can put all this pressure on themselves that they're not going to drink. And maybe they combine it with a diet and they have all this expectation that they're going to lose weight and look amazing. And their whole life will change. And 
a lot of times when you stop drinking, it can get harder before it gets easier. So that's the part of dry January I don't love. What do you think? I, so it depends why you're doing it, right? Like I've heard people doing it because they're like, I just want my tolerance to like get Uh, really like crazy. And then I drink again. And it's like, woo, I'm wasted after one drink. Like that kind of thing. I'm like, Mm, probably like you should think about your relationship with alcohol. But if it's someone that's just like, I want to like feel free of this for this month, like I'm aware that society is like so intense with alcohol and I've been given this opportunity to be societally accepted for not drinking and I'm a normie without a problem. And I just think that this is a really nice trend, then go for it. But I think that if during this time and during this month, you're like, wait, I feel amazing. Like I feel so much better than like, that's reason enough to not go back to it. You don't have to like necessarily, you know, have this horrible relationship. But if you feel so much better, like I would listen to my body personally, but I mean, I'm sure it's easier said than done. Absolutely. What are some activities to do besides drinking? It's funny that someone's asking this as if there's no other things to do in the world. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I think about a lot of things that you can do that... I mean, obviously some things do revolve around drinking, but... I mean, like my first date with my husband, we went ice skating. I know that there was like an axe throwing movement that happened doing something like that, going for a walk, going to a workout class. I mean, you can also do some of the same things and not drink. Like if you like to go dance, like you could go dance and not drink if you wanted to do that. It might, you know, maybe not in the beginning of sobriety or something like that, but I think it's important to think about what you actually love and what you like to do. Cause I think we also get so out of touch with what we enjoy. And when we drink, we can tolerate doing so many things that if we weren't drinking, we wouldn't even like. I totally agree. And I also love ice skating. I feel like I rediscovered it post sobriety. Um, somebody asked if they should tell the date beforehand that they're not drinking or if it's okay to say it during the date? I think you can do either. I think it depends on if that part, like if, if you're exploring your relationship with alcohol and you're not sure whether you are going to stay sober or if you're just not drinking right now, I don't think you need to say it beforehand. I think also if you're not going to a bar, like if you guys are just meeting up for coffee or doing something else, I don't think you need to necessarily say it if it's a big part of your life and it's like a deal breaker for you that someone needs to support that, which I would hope that they would support that. I would recommend saying it beforehand, but I don't know, maybe you're not looking for a serious relationship. Maybe you're just looking for a casual thing. My biggest thing not to do though, is don't pretend to drink on the date because that is misleading. Yeah, definitely. I feel like I would tell them ahead of time because it's almost like a good test of their character. It's kind of like, you know, people ask me all the time, like, should I tell him I have my period before we hang out? And I'm like, yes, if you want, Mm -hmm. like, absolutely. But like, but if that's the reason that you're hanging out with him, then like, or like, if that's the reason he's hanging out with you rather, then like, that's not okay. And you'll find out right then and there. And it's kind of weirdly similar because it's like, not to like bring up a million analogies, but it's like when you put up a bikini photo and you're like hinge profile and then like yeah. you're kind of testing to see if like they only like the bikini photo, you know, like yeah. you'll know, you'll know based off that, which is, which is a nice feeling. And you, you know, so much quicker. Like I, I found also that I went on less dates when I said it beforehand, but I went on much more high quality dates. And in this day and age, you know, we have so many options. There are so many different dating apps. People talk about how exhausting it is to be on the apps. To me, it's like a benefit of you can go on less dates, which is draining and go on more high quality dates where it might lead somewhere. 100%. I feel like I know so much better if I like someone as a person being sober than if I'm just drunk and like we're just having a drunk, like not real time. Yeah. 
you had mentioned your wedding or like thinking about, oh my God, like, you know, what if I'm sober, like at my wedding, is that going to be horrible? And you got married. So what, what was that like? I'm getting married soon. And like, obviously it's, the thought has crossed my mind, but yeah. I'm curious. I mean, being sober at my wedding was honestly like the best thing. I had an experience of feeling like, how could I have ever thought that this would be better if I was drinking? Because it's so fun at your wedding because you get to make the rules. Like we had kombucha at my wedding. We had some, like my signature drink was a mocktail. Like we got to do all of these things and I got to curate the night so that it was exactly what I wanted to do and nothing that I thought was awkward or didn't want to do. So I loved being sober for my wedding. I remember it. I was present, but it was also for me, like it felt like my fullest self-expression because I was with everyone I loved and I felt so comfortable that I, I couldn't, I can't recommend it enough. Yeah. Also like you remember it which is amazing. I yeah. feel like I've been to so many weddings where the bride and groom are so sloppy. And I'm just like, are you even present? Like, are you here right now to actually enjoy this very expensive, very um, expensive, very expensive <laughs> night? Because I'd that hope you, so. like planned for, you know, months, if not yeah. years. Like I'd want to enjoy every second of it. I actually remember at my sister's wedding, I was so like fucked up. I had like just smoked a joint right before we went out there. Like it was just like very hazy for me. And I'm so grateful that like I have this opportunity to like be sober at my own wedding. It's like such a blessing. Right. Speaking of weddings though, if you're newly not drinking or sober doing dry January, how do you do like, what are some best practices for attending someone else's wedding? Who, oh, if you're a if you're an attendee. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think like, I, I have a couple ideas. I think number one, typically I'm a big fan of whether it's a wedding or a party. If you feel awkward, like asking if there's something you can do to help. I'm like a big fan of like getting a job, especially if you're like a bridesmaid or something like that. It's a really great thing to do to help. I also think like lowering your expectations, especially if it's your first wedding that you've been to, it might feel awkward. It might, you may not have ever like danced before. So you might not have like the best time at first. And like, that's also okay. Some things are just for surviving and getting through. The other thing at weddings is to be prepared that sometimes they do do something where they put a champagne glass in front of everybody. So that's something I know the first time that happened to me, I was like a little like, whoa, this is a little freaky. Yeah. So it's something to kind of be prepared for. And just, you know, obviously you don't have to drink that glass of champagne. Yeah. But if they have mocked, you know, if you like mocktails, you can also ask the bartender there for to make you a a mocktail. A lot of times bartenders like doing that and also having someone in your life that knows you're sober. I think that's really important. It doesn't have to be someone there necessarily, but someone that you can call or text if you're feeling anxious or needing support. Yeah. Those are all such helpful tips. It's funny. Like I feel like after being sober, I had never gotten more free champagne in my life. Like when I was sober, I never got (laughs) free champagne. Only like when I was not, when I was drinking, I mean, but only when I was sober, did I get the most free champagne. Like when I was traveling at weddings at this and that, and we actually like, we, we took that away. So at our wedding, we're not going to be doing a champagne toast, not even because of sobriety, but it's just like a waste of money. It is. No one like wants it. It, it really is. But <laughs> they can I, raise their own glass. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like they have, they have an open bar for a reason usually. But I remember the first wedding I went to sober and alone was like definitely difficult for me. And especially because when I did drink tequila was my thing. And this wedding, like mm-hmm. the bride and groom must have really loved tequila because there was like the top shelf like tequila. It was like on bar yeah. carts, like while you were sitting, like walking <laughs> around you, like offering you shots of tequila. And I remember I confided in my seatmate, like randomly. Mm. I wasn't even that close with him. I was just like, yeah, I'm like, I'm like sober now. So like, this is kind of funny and awkward with the tequila. And he was like, 
I'm actually also not drinking right now. He was like, I'm not sober, but I'm just like doing that right now. And I was like, oh, great. So like I had a buddy immediately, which was yeah. really cool, which I love. I wish that would have been how you met your husband. That would have been a great know, story. That would have been so cute. <laughs> if he were at the wedding, he totally would have done that for me. He's like that, that kind of guy. Perfect. That is perfect. So I want to do this like fun kind of quick question game. I usually will ask you rapid fire poll questions from our Instagram. But in this case, I want to make it like a little bit more sobriety related. So I'll just do rapid fire and then you'll answer. I'll give you the answers. So quit like a woman into it or not? Into it. Okay. Interesting. I feel like it's very controversial. (laughs) It is very controversial. It do you is. want? Are we talking about it or do you want? We can me to do like a two second. We can do a two second little thing. I just, I think it's controversial because I don't like how she puts down AA. I feel like no one should put down anything that helps somebody get sober. That's all. I get that. I get that for sure. I think um, that's my critique mm-hmm. as well. I mm-hmm. think you can talk about the negative side. Like you can talk about why it might not work for people without necessarily putting it down. Yeah. Especially because like it's a free option and that's like, huge for so many people. Okay. Can, can you forex? Yas or Nas? I am. I'm into it. I like the calm one better than the energy one. We actually gave them away with my, we like partnered with them with my book, which was really oh, that's fun. That's so cool. Yeah. Completely sober, like non-alcoholic bars. Yay or nay? I love that. I think it's so cool. Two sober people dating as opposed to one normal and one not. Awesome. I think whatever works for people. Interesting. I don't know if I could date someone who's sober. I feel like it's just like, yeah, I want to be the one with the problems here. (laughs) (laughs) I totally, totally get that. My husband drinks, as I said. Yeah. I also think it's a little, I, you know, you probably get this too. When I was in, um, it was a little incestuous sometimes where like everyone would date everyone. So Mm -hmm. I feel very lucky actually that I you date someone who's normal, but I think for a lot of people, it's like really help. You know, I was lucky that my husband's dad is a therapist. So he like understood all the emotional stuff, but yeah, I think it can work and it cannot work. Yeah. Is Miranda an alcoholic in this season of just like that or whatever it's called? (sighs) I don't care whether she is. I think she should stop drinking though. Yeah. Fair. (laughs) Is Carrie? I don't think it's making her life better. Yeah. Is is Carrie? Because I feel like she kind of like enables. She does enable. I don't know if she needs to stop because it doesn't seem like she's using it necessarily to cope that right. much as much. But I mean, she, I, I don't know, especially I'm lately I've been like, she was really mean to Miranda in like the last episode. <laughs> right. And I was just like, you're really mean. Like maybe you need to like do yeah. some self-reflection. Totally. Um, best way to wind <laughs> down instead of a drink. I love taking a hot bath, a bubble bath. And what do you do if you don't have a bath? I also lo- like love to stretch. <laughs> I'm oh. like, a, I used to, I used to be a competitive figure skater growing up. So I like love stretching and moving my body and, or I'll take a shower. I, I shower like multiple times a day. Cause it's just a good, like that must be, a, I swear to God, that's a cancer thing. Like, cause you want to be in water. Really? You're a water sign. I'm water. My fiance is like lives in the shower. He's probably in the shower right now. It's the solution to all my problems. Seriously. I <laughs> love chatting with you. Can you leave us with a quote, maybe from your book or just a piece of advice that has helped you throughout the years? Oh, I love that. Let me see. I think the biggest thing is like, I know this is so cliche, but I used to beat myself up so much. I used to really think that I was my thoughts, that I was like a bad person if I thought negative things or if I did negative things. And I think it's a huge thing that stops people from getting sober or exploring their relationship with alcohol. And I just really, to me, it's like, I don't care whether you like whether you believe me when I say like you deserve to, you know, feel okay about yourself and you deserve to have compassion. What I want to leave people with is beating yourself up actually makes it harder for you to change and beating yourself up will make it more likely that you will drink if you want to change that relationship. 
That's so true. Where can everyone find you, follow you and read the book? Uh, The book is everywhere books are sold. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all that stuff. You can follow me on Instagram at Therapy for Women. And my website is amandaewhite.com and I have info about my book there. Thanks for having me, Lindsay. 